listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. This week we're talking about The Curse of Frankenstein from 1957, directed by Terence Fisher, screenplay by Jimmy Sangster, based on the novel Frankenstein by Mary Shelley from 1818, starring Peter Cushing, Robert Urquhart, Hazel Court, and Christopher Lee. And I chose this because, sadly, I don't think either of us has seen a Hammer horror movie. Uh, had you, Ash? No, no, I, I hadn't even uh, heard of this studio before. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if we're going to keep doing a horror podcast, we need to. My mission this year is to kind of, like, fill some of our holes. Um, and, and this is, like, a studio that's still around today, too, right? They are. They were big and like the 50s through 70s and then i think mid 70s early 80s they kind of just went defunct mm-hmm. um they still existed i think legally they just weren't making movies and then in the past few years maybe the past 10 years almost they started putting out movies um so they did let me in in 2010 uh the remake of uh let the right one in or the the u.s version of let the right one in and they did The Woman in Black from 2012 with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. I think that was one that you and I were intending to watch, and then I watched it, and you didn't, and we didn't watch another movie together again for like six <laughs> months for some reason. It was the movie that broke up our friendship. <laughs> yeah. <that time. laughs> yeah, there's actually, that one, uh, there's a theater production of it going on in Chicago right now, which is supposed to be really good, so I was thinking about uh, checking it out. Oh, nice. Yeah, you should. I liked the movie. That was pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Harry Potter holds up. Harry Potter holds up. Yeah. And he'll probably take his clothes off if he's in the theater production. Oh, cool. I was looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> this this studio, it's like credited with bringing back the horror genre back in the 40s, 50s? Yeah, I think that could probably be fair. Like, they kind of did some of the universal monster type stuff, but uh, they did it over again. This is a studio in England. Um, so they did... I think there are three big movies were Dracula from 1958, where Christopher Lee played Dracula, um, The Mummy from 1959, and, oh, wait a minute, yeah, and then this one, The Curse of Frankenstein, 1957. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think these kind of put Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee on the map, and they were in a lot of movies from this studio. And we've been... Hammer has been on my mind as movies we need to check off our list ever since we watched The Wicker Man with Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee's kind of like a, he went on to do like a number of horror films, right? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I think he's, I think visually you see his face and kind of think of Dracula because there's just a lot of photos out there of him as Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, so he played Dracula in a lot of the Hammer movies, and he was also Saruman in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then Peter Cushing, there were six sequels to this movie, and he played Frankenstein, six of the seven Frankenstein movies from Hammer. Yeah, that's crazy, the amount of uh, installments that this film had. Yeah, uh, I, I, it kind of reminded me of like a modern day like Halloween or Jason in that sense. Yeah, Hammer Horror was really cranking them out. They had nine Dracula movies, 
and I think they had like six mummy movies. They were really going at it. Wow, must have been making a lot of money. Yeah, I'm sure they were. Yeah. Well, anyway, quick plot summary before we dive into the plot and spoilers later. Uh, Victor Frankenstein becomes obsessed with giving life to a creature that is created from human body parts. And needless to say, things don't go quite according to plan. And I think we should clarify here to people who don't know that Frankenstein... It's a common misconception that Frankenstein is the name of the monster. Yeah. But. <laughs> I, yeah, this movie was a reminder to me that uh, that's, that's a different <laughs> one. <laughs> I feel like that's you saying you didn't realize that until you watched this movie. Oh, yeah. I feel like I knew that somewhere in the back of my mind, but then, uh, yeah, watching this kind of put it all into perspective. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I've actually read the Mary Shelley novel, and I didn't like it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, it just did not strike a chord with me. I felt like the main character was, like, really mopey, and it was just a drag to read. Yeah, the main character being Victor Frankenstein? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that the movie didn't make him out to be like a, a super melodramatic or, or mopey guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of a, a badass villain. Yeah. Unlike Dracula, I loved I loved the novel, Bram Stoker's those Dracula. Are, okay, those are two different authors, right, that wrote those? Yeah, Bram Stoker wrote Dracula and then Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein when she was 18. Oh, my God. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, pretty nuts. Yeah. Is it, uh, you know, parts of this movie kind of made me wonder, like, is this supposed to be a horror story or the way that she wrote it? Like, was it more of a, like a romance? The way that she wrote it, it was drama for sure, but it was definitely considered horror. Okay. And you always have to like go back and consider the standards at the time. Yeah. Like this movie was rated X when it came out. Yeah, I didn't know they had an X back in 1957. Yeah. They said it was given an X certificate, so whatever that means. Yeah, whatever that means. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that was before the MBA, so. Yeah, they were just making up certificates back then. Yeah. You get certificate X. I drew an X on this one, whatever that is. Yeah, this is certified. <laughs> Nice. So yeah, a lot of critics at the time thought it was like really gruesome and disgusting. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, like I, I feel like uh, they did like for 1957, some of the effects like don't look too dated. Like I thought they did a good job with the makeup and everything. Yeah, especially at one point, the monster gets shot in the head. Yeah, that looked pretty good. Yeah, it did. It's a pretty, yeah. pretty cool visual. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is. I mean, you can solidly classify this as a monster movie. Frankenstein can be considered its own subgenre of horror movies. Um, there are fifty, at least fifty movies that feature Frankenstein's monster. Monster. Wow. Yeah. And some of them are like comedies, like Young Frankenstein, uh, or yeah. like animated movies, like Hotel Transylvania. Right. But still, that's a lot of movies. I mean, this is a character that is firmly rooted in in pop culture yeah right yeah right up there with uh, dracula um he uh so uh frankenstein if that's the name of the guy who made him what do we call this the, the monster is he's just creature yeah the creature frankenstein's monster in the book he was referred to as like just a, a variety of different terms demon monster creature 
abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I kind of I feel like it would be easier if somebody just named this thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Especially for like how popular it is, and it's it's like referenced all over the place. <laughs> it doesn't even have a name. Just Frankenstein's Claude. Place. Let's do it now. Yeah, let's go with the name, Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan Claude Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Claude Frankenstein. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, man. What else should we say about this movie? It looks like it was a big commercial success, uh, both in yeah. England and in, in the U.S., right? Yeah, it made a lot of money. Um, I can't find... Oh, it had a budget of 270 k and the box office was $8 million. That That actually seems like a high budget for 1957. Yeah, so I translated this to today's dollars and it's a budget of 2.4 million and the box office would be 71 million wow yeah which is a huge return yeah yeah that's pretty successful yeah um and this was this the first frankenstein movie i I know it's the first one that was in color and done by this production company but um were there any frankenstein movies before this this was not the first frankenstein movie um the first one that I found was from 1910. Oh, man. And there were at least 12 movies that featured Frankenstein before this movie, Curse of Frankenstein. Ah, wow. I've got so, 12. And, and um, a very big one was Universal Studios' Frankenstein. I think that one was just called Frankenstein. Okay, and that was before um, this one? Yeah, that was from the 30s, Wow, I believe, with um, Boris Karloff as the monster and... Boris Karloff's image, like him as the monster, is basically what you think of as Frankenstein. Oh, like the okay. greenish skin and the bolts. Yep. Big forehead. Yeah, yeah, right. Which they did They did not approach him visually that way in this movie. No, and, and I liked it. I thought it was a little more original in how they approached him. I did too. And I think part of that was because Universal fought Hammer to make sure they weren't duplicating too many aspects of their film. 1931, that's when the Universal one was from. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of up to the makeup artist to design a new look. Yeah. it was. I think I read somewhere that it was like done like the night before, like last minute, like they threw together that makeup and uh, threw it on him. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got uh, 13 reasons uh, to thank you, man. <laughs> or 12 reasons for not picking uh, any of those earlier ones. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was pretty bummed when he picked the 1957 one, but I guess it could have been worse. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we're going to have to go back and hit some more of these. We oh, definitely God. have to see Dracula. Uh, isn't there like a Dracula we could do from like 2002 or something? Um, is there one from 2002? Uh, what about like Interview with the Vampire? Like, well, Couldn't we just do that instead of Dracula? Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's from the 90s, and then Bram Stoker's Dracula with Keanu Reeves is from the 90s. Oh, yeah, there you go. So, you see, you, see, you don't always have to go back to the 50s. You can get the main points from more recent films. <laughs> that's interesting. You. <laughs> um, and this, you'll find a lot of recurring actors and writers and directors in Hammer Horror movies. So, this director also did the 1958 Dracula the Mummy from 1959, The Curse of the Werewolf from 61. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Sangster, who wrote the screenplay, also did Dracula. As we said, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee were in a ton of Hammer Horror movies, so 
that's kind of fun to think it was just this group cranking out movie after movie. Yeah, that is really cool. They're definitely a, a dominant production company in, in, in a group. Uh, do you think? Yeah. I, I do you think like today we have like a modern version of this, like one group that's putting out you know, consistently horror films or like a director. I guess like James Wan and like the Conjuring crew. I feel like you see. Yeah, them. and Bloom Bloom House. Yeah, Bloom House. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I guess in in a way you have those. Yeah, I'm sure there's a handful of others that we can't think of off the top of our heads. Right. And and the the two main actors in this one, um, Christopher Lee and um, the guy who plays Victor Frankenstein, they've been in a few movies together, right? Yeah, they're in a bunch together. Mm -hmm. Um, So Christopher Lee is Dracula in the, like, nine movies, Dracula movies that Hammer did, and Peter Cushing plays Van Helsing in a good chunk of those. Oh, okay. Nice. He played played Van Helsing five times. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, and then he was in uh, was it Star Trek or no Star Wars? He was in the original Star Wars movie, I think. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But yeah, and I think the two of them were pretty good friends. Yeah, Peter Cushing and uh, Christopher Lee, sure. Yeah, I feel like they may have. They were like contemporaries with Vincent Price too, and I don't know if they were friends with him or. At least friendly with him, but the three of them were just in so many horror movies around this time period. Yeah, yeah, I guess you'd have to. It wasn't like that big of a universe. And yeah. You had like the, a, f- a few names kind of going at it. Yep. Yeah, man. Anything else in this movie before we start getting into the thick of the plot and uh, spoil some stuff? Uh, no, what's your, uh, you got a, a way to connect Frankenstein to Ohio? Uh, the only connection I have is that there is a cemetery in Canton, Ohio, that gets some minor tourism due to a giant headstone that just says Frankenstein real big on it. <laughs> no first name. No, it's just randomly it's just Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And there's, a, there's like ghost stories about it. Like if you stand in front of it, you can hear screams coming from below the ground. Ooh. We'll have to do that sometime. Yeah. I haven't seen... <laughs> Since we started doing this podcast, I've seen so many like little local news stories on YouTube from, <laughs> from <laughs> random Ohio. towns in Northeast Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's putting it on the map. Yep. Uh, one other one, uh, I, th- I thought this might have been one you, w- you would have picked up on. Um, so who was it? It's either the director of this film or one of the actors in a, is in a movie called The Abominable or The, um, what's that word? The Ab- Abdominal? What's that word? <laughs> The abominable, 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 abominable. <laughs> Someone is in a, is related to a movie called uh, the Abominable Snowman, which uh, you know how to tie that to Ohio, right? I don't. Oh, uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, one, one of the um, issues that they put out was the attack of the abominable, abominable snowman. <laughs> And, uh, and Calvin Hobbes <laughs> is written by the by the guy from Ohio. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I knew it was written by the dude from Ohio, but I didn't know they had an issue about that. Yeah, yeah, it's was, it was, it was one of them. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that's what was it called again? <laughs> Abominable? Is that what you're saying? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think you're getting it right. All right. Thanks. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. It's like the malevolent episode all over again. <laughs> yeah, I know. This podcast has been great for my English. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> learning so many words. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna start to b- pull that one to my vocabulary more. What, what does it even mean? 
That's a good question. I, maybe just like intimidating or indestructible. Yeah. Malevolent. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's a cool word. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, I might take a quick break. I've got a guy here working on a roof, and I think I may have just heard him take a tumble up there. So Ooh. I feel like I better go check on him. All right. Okay, man, I'm back. Hey, how's he doing? You know, his truck is still here, but I don't see him anywhere. Really? You think he like just took yeah. a break or something? Or I don't know. He was just doing some work um, right above our vat of acid, so uh-huh. I'm not sure what could have gone wrong. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. This is. <laughs> There's so many vats of acid in old horror movies. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is also like uh, The Haunting of Hill House, right? Yeah, House on Haunted Hill. Oh, yeah, House on Haunted <laughs> was, was this just like just a thing that homes in the 50s came with? <laughs> like in the yeah, attic or in I the think... basement? Where, where's the vat of acid in this house? Yeah. It's a four bedroom, three bath, one bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, for anybody who doesn't know this story, we'll run through the plot. And actually, the plot of this is um, quite a bit different than the book. So. Oh, it is? Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Not, I mean, not crazy different, but uh, some major details are different. So it starts off in the 1800s in Switzerland, and Baron Victor Frankenstein is in prison awaiting execution for murder. And he's telling the story of his life to a visiting priest. So basically, Victor Frankenstein in prison is kind of the framing story, and the main plot of the movie is him telling the story to this priest. So it goes back to when he was young, his mother dies, and he's basically left an orphan. And he seems really smart and, like, more grown up than he actually is age-wise. So there's a scene where he promises to keep paying an allowance to his aunt and a young cousin. And his aunt says, you know, hints that his cousin would make a good wife someday. Yeah, I I thought that was kind of uh, hilarious. Yeah. But apparently the movie didn't think that was funny. Incest was all the rage back then. Yeah, <laughs> that was a serious thing. Dude, uh, fun fact that hopefully doesn't shame my family. I recently found out that my great-grandparents were first cousins. Ah, uh, no kidding. That's yeah. That's like, uh, like what, like 1800s? Early 1900s? Let's see, they probably would have gotten married, yeah, er- early 1900s. I could see like 1910-ish or something like that, 1915. Yeah, yeah I think it was fair game back then for sure. Yeah, and I think with uh, immigrants, too, it was just like a way to get your, your family over there. Yeah, yeah, right. right. But, yeah, bring everyone yeah I'm not totally sure. Yeah. So, yeah, listeners, if you have any problems with me, I'm just going to chalk them up <laughs> to my... If you have any questions about Brian. <laughs> my inbreeding. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, I thought the uh, the kid, um, young Victor Frankstein, he reminded me of that uh, asshole in Harry Potter. Um, what's his name? The, the Malfoy? Ah, uh, no, the blonde kid. That's those kind of like the rich, t- uptight one. Uh, yeah, that's Malfoy, right? Oh, that, oh yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. Lucius Malfoy. Yeah, yeah. Or no, is he Lucius? Yeah. Okay. Or maybe that's his dad's name. The one that's Draco Malfoy. Uh, wait, wait, oh Draco, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Okay, anyway, where were we? Okay, so he's he's super smart. Actually, the dude who played him reminded me of Michael Sarah. Oh, yeah, I could see that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Draco Sarah is really smart and he wants to find a really great tutor because he has great potential. And he recruits this dude named Paul Kremp to be his teacher. So you get a montage of them over the years learning together and conducting experiments together. And this character, Victor Frankenstein, is aging and so is Paul as they go. (laughs) You got something to say about the aging part? (laughs) Uh, no, do you? Yeah. Uh, cause, cause like when, when it jumps, like, uh, you know, he's a kid and he's like working with this adult, uh, who's his tutor. And then like when it jumps to like, you know, more, you know, they, he starts to age, then, uh, I feel like they made the tutor look older just for like putting like a, a beard on him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Victor Frankenstein like just becomes this old guy suddenly who's like way older than, uh, I don't know, he just looks older than the tutor. Yeah. You don't think yeah, so? Yeah, maybe. I don't know if he looks older than him, but yeah, it's it's clear that the two of them are the same age. Yeah, and yeah. one has a beard. Yeah. <laughs> well, even um, even the the cousin's confused when she comes, because uh, right she she comes to the house. Is that is that what happens next? Yeah, but she hasn't seen him in a long time. Oh since yeah, he was a kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the montage of them learning and growing old together. Uh, not actually old, but one night they bring a dead dog back to life and they're overjoyed, but Victor doesn't want to stop there. His goal is to bring life to a creature built out of human body parts. Like he wants to create life instead of just reviving life. And his tutor, Paul is extremely tentative and now they're, he's not his tutor. They're just partners. So he's super tentative about it, but he's along for the ride And things just get kind of crazier and crazier as they go. Victor Frankenstein's scavenging body parts and, like, making black market deals for hands and stuff like that um, and other body parts. So Paul's getting more and more hesitant, and the straws that break the camel's back are the fact that Victor's cousin, from the beginning of the movie, moves in with them. They're engaged, apparently. They've become engaged by written letter from afar, and I think Paul is just nervous with her in the house that she's in danger. And then he finally pulls the plug on being Victor's partner when at one point Victor invites a prominent professor over as a guest into their home and then pushes him off the stairs, like the second floor balcony, uh, and like fakes that it was an accident so that he can get this genius's brain <laughs> to finish the monster. So Crimp... Paul ends up trying to stop him from using the brain and they get in a scuffle and the brain is damaged, which kind of becomes a point of contention between the two of them later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, how many friendships have been ruined by the damaging of a brain that's been scavenged? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's a downfall yeah. to any friendship. <laughs> that was the real reason we stopped watching movies after The Woman in Black. There yeah. Was... <laughs> it was that whole brain incident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, Frankenstein ends up bringing the creature to life. He brings Jonathan Claude to life and Jonathan is angry and violent and he kind of blames it on Paul because Paul damaged the brain. 
And the monster escapes. He kills an old blind dude in the woods and presumably a young boy who was out there with this dude who was his grandpa. I think presumably the boy. Did we ever get you know, validation I, on that? No, nah, I, I just thought it was the old guy. But yeah, you're right. They never really closed the loop on what, what happened to the boy. Um, yeah, it might have been just a little too shocking for 1957. Yeah, maybe that's part of like the X certification. And they had to like yeah. keep that scene away. Implied child murder. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Paul and Victor end up going out there to find the creature and they do find him. They shoot him in the head and bury him. And then later without Paul's knowledge, Frankenstein goes back and digs him up and repairs the brain. He then uses the monster to murder his maid because as we've seen earlier in the movie, he's having an affair with the maid and she's now pregnant and threatens to go public with his experiment if he doesn't marry her. I I didn't see that storyline coming at all. That caught me by such surprise like he's having this uh affair. Well, I, I mean, I guess he's not married. He's engaged to his cousin, which, you know, that's that's interesting. And then he's having this affair with the housemate who like turns out to be pregnant. It kind of felt like a like a like a daytime drama or something at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I kind of liked it though. It just kind of he was very unlikable. It just kind of helped that you didn't really have much sympathy for him that's interesting i was about to say the opposite but okay really <laughs> I, 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 like look at this badass he's you know sleeping with the maid he's uh, engaged his cousin he's like building he's creating yeah. a uh, you know a monster out of like dead human parts i mean how, how's that not like the best you know thing ever let's live in the dream i know <laughs> that's life man. that's the kind of stuff you put in a christmas letter <laughs> exactly uh <laughs> Well, he's, you can kind of like see some of his points even like, I love, I love when movies like the villain has some logic, like, you know, these body parts aren't doing anybody else any good. Yeah. Um, but when he kills the professor, that was when he crosses the line. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that is crossing the line for sure. That that's kind of like where the movie takes a turn and his, his friend like realizes like how desperate and dark this guy is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Paul finds out about this, that he's had the monster, that he's rebuilt the monster, had him, had the monster murder. I think her name was Justine. Um, so the two of them get in another scuffle and while they're scuffling, the monster escapes. And I think he ends up on the roof at this point. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember how Victor's cousin slash fiance Kazanse is up there with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she she hears us, the noise, uh, and and she like runs up and goes into his lab and and uh, picks up a lantern and hears something outside. So she goes outside onto the roof. Okay, right. Yeah, good memory, man. Um, so there's a bit of a confrontation up there. I think Justine kind of. Oh, I can't remember her name. Elizabeth. Elizabeth kind of passes out up there, and Victor ends up using a lantern to set fire to the monster. And the monster falls through a skylight that is right above a vat of acid. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do you have an open vat of acid, but you position it right under the skylight. I know. <laughs> you know, uh, acids, you have, to, you have to get a lot of sunlight to keep that acid fresh. It's, yeah. like, it's like growing a plant. Like, literally, if someone was working on the roof, <laughs> yeah, takes a, a f- spill. Yeah. Working on the roofs was a dangerous business back in those days. Yeah. To watch out for yeah. those fat of acids under those windows. 
Um, anyway, since acid dissolves absolutely everything in the movies, there's the monster is not only dead, but there's no evidence that it ever existed. Um, so Victor is imprisoned for Justine's murder, because who else would have done it? Um, and then we cut back to the current time, the frame story, and the priest, who Victor has been explaining all of this to, doesn't believe him. The priest leaves, and then his next visitor is his partner, Paul. And Paul comes, Victor like begs him to tell the truth, that it's this monster, and that, you know, Frankenstein isn't really the murderer. And Paul's just like, sorry, dude, and walks out of there on him. Yeah, that was cold. They're cold, but I mean, he's a legit murderer. Yeah. Uh, he. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, he did. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, kill those. Uh, kill. He. I mean, he murdered the professor himself, yeah. and then he like trapped Justine purposely in the room with the monster so it would kill her. Yeah, I guess you're right. The blood's on his hands. Yeah. And then, uh, so Paul walks out of the cell, meets up with Elizabeth, who's like waiting in the lobby, prison lobby, if you will. And he's just like, there's nothing we can do for him now. And they walk away together, and the last scene is him being taken to the guillotine. Guillotine. And that's it. You're working on your guillotine pronunciation? Yeah, I was going to say guillotine. <laughs> guillotine. Guillotine makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the abominable and malevolent monster was taken to the guillotine. <laughs> You're killing me, man. <laughs> uh, so the, I think the big question is, what happened to that zombie dog from the beginning? The zombie dog? Oh, that adorable zombie? <laughs> yeah, that dog. They, they brought the dog back to life, right? Yeah, but I think that since they were just bringing something back to life and not creating it from scratch, that it was presumably fine. Oh, okay. But yeah, I never saw it like running around doing this in the movie. Yeah, they probably just killed it again. <laughs> <laughs> we brought it back. The 50s. Just killing it. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. Um, actually, you bring up saying zombie brings up a good point. Like, is this a zombie movie? Yeah, that's a good point because the, technically they're all dead parts coming together to create Walker, and he's kind of got like the intellect of a zombie. Yeah, I mean, he's like a shuffling, moaning. Yeah, it's very zombie like. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if this story is one of the origins of where the whole zombie genre came from. You know, it's hard to say what does or doesn't influence something because, like, Romero could have been influenced by Frankenstein and not even known it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or not even been able to articulate that that was one of his influences. Right, yeah. Actually, in the book, Frankenstein's, like very intelligent and articulate the monster frankenstein's monster oh no kidding so they, Ugh, i've fallen victim to calling him frankenstein <laughs> yeah, a few times it's too easy uh so yeah that, uh, that that's what i was wondering is because he's got the brain of a of a genius and yeah i understand you know there's some brain damage done with that friendship uh struggle but um that, <laughs> that, that comes uh that is like put to use later on in other iterations of frankenstein's monster I have no idea. I would guess not. Oh, okay. But we, we'll we have to find out. Yeah, yep. We've only got six more to see. <laughs> uh, what what uh, was your interpretation of the ending? So, like, was the monster actually there, or was it Victor Frankenstein the whole time? 
oh, that monster was there. Well, how do you know? Because we saw it all unfold. Uh, I mean, we as a viewer did, but we might have been seeing it from Victor Frankenstein's uh, perspective. I mean, if the monster was there, why wouldn't the friend mention that, like, like yeah, you know, it wasn't um, him directly. It was this other creature that he'd created. Like, it, he just looked so um, convinced that Victor Frankenstein was crazy. Um, I, I couldn't tell if he was, like, deliberately not saying it or if maybe the viewer... As the viewer, like we had uh, the wrong interpretation that that you know, like it was uh, it was one of those things like the monster was never there and it was him the whole time. That is an interesting way to look at it, but you are wrong, sir. Are you sure that never crossed your mind? No, it didn't. I mean, Paul didn't want. He thought it was such an abomination. Oh, same root word is ah, damn. abominable. Yeah. Um, that he didn't want anyone to know it was even possible, presumably. And who would have believed him if he was like, oh, by the way, he created life out of all these dead body parts, and that's who really did it. Yeah, I guess. See, so you think it was just him being um, like smart about it and, and thoughtful and, and not wanting to let that secret out. Yeah. I think yeah. he thought it was best for the world that nobody know. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, but you, you've read the original Frankenstein and, and is that kind of how it ends as well? The ending, I don't want to spoil the book for anybody. It it ends pretty differently actually. Okay. But we're sure that it's very different. Yeah. But you're a hundred percent sure there was actually a monster in this one and it wasn't a metaphor for the monstrosity that lives inside each one of us. The... That's beautiful, but the book does not lead anyone to believe that. Okay. <laughs> if that's right. what you're getting at. Yeah, I don't know. I, I left the end of that movie wondering, like, you know, wh- who was the monster? Was it the actual monster or was it, you know, Victor Frankenstein and his need to, like, um, you know, overcome science or whatever? Because it, it's kind of a character study on him and his determination with this project and, like, you know, how he was... You know, so everything else in his life was such a low priority compared to like this one goal and the lens he would go to get there. So was he the real monster? Which I, I mean, I guess he was because he's the one that's killed at the end. Yeah, I mean, I think that's still a valid analysis. Like, he was the real monster. Yeah. Not to say that your other theory is invalid, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, here I, I think you're right. I think it's generally accepted that for, uh, yeah. the creature was real. Uh, okay, man. Well, on a scale of zero to five friendship struggles, how many do you give this? Uh, zero to five what troubles? <laughs> friendship struggles. Oh, friendship struggles. <laughs> Your words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'd give this three. Like, it, um, I don't feel like it was very frightening, but the story was like well told and uh, pretty engaging and well paced. And I, I thought the it, it holds up given like how old it is. And it, it it went along pretty well, but yeah, it just it wasn't that scary. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I think I'd only give it a three. What about you? Yeah, me too. Three. I I thought it was solid. I wasn't enthralled by it, but it was really well done, and yeah, it was well told story. And I think we've talked about this before with old movies. There's just like more space. It's less frenetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more relaxing to watch these than modern movies. It really is. It doesn't have like that intensity that modern films like build on to each other. Like it's it's back to back everything. It, it is a lot of room for like dialogue and 
just general hanging out. Yeah. I like that. I and there was the set design and everything. The mood was great and good acting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, there, there wasn't anything scary about it. Yeah, right. Which makes me think it was more a love story than in a drama than, than horror. Um, it was a friendship struggle. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day. <laughs> it falls squarely in the friendship struggle genre. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, one scene that I, I thought was kind of cool at the end where he's on the roof um, and the lanterns are at him, he's all lit up on fire. That really reminded me of a scene from Halloween, one, one of the Halloweens, where Michael Myers' his body is like all on fire. And, and he's like falling around. I, I don't know if like John Carpenter was you know, uh, doing that as a reference to Frank to, to this movie or not. Yeah, it's hard to say. I feel like lighting a person on fire is so generic that it's hard to pinpoint it. Like That's I true. lit a guy on fire yesterday. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to point that one to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was that the guy on the roof? <laughs> that, that was a different guy, but uh, I did need to use the vat of acid to hide the evidence. <laughs> Man, those fat of acids, they're pretty handy. They are, man. Yeah. Trying to talk you into one. <laughs> I'm really considering it now. <laughs> uh, dude, the next time we watch an old movie, pay attention to how loud somebody's footsteps are. Oh. <laughs> Have you noticed that? No, no. You can hear them coming from like a mile away. I think it might just be because the soundscape is less jam-packed with music and sound effects and dialogue. Yeah. And... I think they just felt the need to go back and add the sound of footsteps, but yeah, like every time somebody's walking in an old movie, the loud, the footsteps are so loud. Yeah, now that you're saying that, I feel like I can hear like that echoing that happens every time someone's walking. Yeah, um, and it's like the only sound happening at the time. Yeah. Might have been the shoes they were wearing back then. That could be it too. Everybody uh, wore nice shoes. Nobody yeah. was walking around in sneakers back then. <laughs> exactly. Thank God sneakers are invented so you could hear dialogue in movies. <laughs> so it's, it's getting hard. <laughs> totally changed film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, man. Anything else on this before we start to wrap up? Uh, no, no. is a good classic. Uh, I, I didn't hate it as much as I thought, so it's a good pick. Good. That means we can watch more. Oh, God. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> Okay, folks, well, that has been all on The Curse of Frankenstein from 1957. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, or even if you didn't, please give us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us. Uh, An iTunes review would be especially helpful. And you can follow us on Facebook. We're at Horror Movie Club Podcast on Facebook. And we're on Twitter, at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. You can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. You can check out our website, horrormovieclub.com. And if you want to know what we're going to talk about next week, check our Facebook or Twitter so you can know that ahead of time. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. Check her out on Etsy.com, Amy Mae Popart. Ooh, and there's a podcast called Cocktail Party Massacre. That's just a great podcast in general, but Amy guested on an episode about... Um, brain dead aka oh shoot I just went blank on brain dead dead alive by Peter Jackson so check out that episode and check out their podcast in general and until next time if you're building a laboratory in your home and you have the acid vat installation guy come out and get you all set up you might want to just ask how much extra it would be to install a lid on the vat it just it might be worth the additional cash outlay (laughs) 